0: Coming up, the super host of Jacksonville, Furnished Short-Term Rentals at Scale. 64 million assets under management with 150 short-term rentals and counting in Northeast Florida. We're turning the mic over to Jacksonville short-term rental expert from Joseph Ellen Properties, Andrew Pozwinski. He's going to tell me later if I got that right. But first, Mm -hmm. a tasty musical treat from one of Jacksonville's own Firewater Tent Revival. Hello, Jacksonvillians. I'm your host, Ian Brown. This is the Jacksonville Commercial Real Estate Show. We bring you dynamic local entrepreneurs, deal leaders, thought leaders, ready to dive in, unpack the local commercial market so you can invest with greater confidence and accelerate your own success. This show is lovingly produced by yours truly in Yield Coach Capital. To stay up to date on Jacksonville's nuanced commercial real estate market, current events and investment opportunities, go to investwiththecoach.com. All right. Today, I am here with Jacksonville short-term expert from Joseph Ellen Properties, Andrew Poczwinski. Puk- tell me if I, tell me how to pronounce your last name, sir.
1: <laughs> you were close, man. You were close. It's Pucksha vinski Poczka-Vinski. It was close enough. We can okay. count it. All right. Cool. cool. <laughs> All right. Well,
0: Andrew, thank you very much for joining us. I'm excited. I like your topic. I like what you're doing. So thanks for coming on the show.
1: Absolutely, man. I'm super excited to dive into this, and, and hopefully I can share a couple nuggets that, that people take home with them.
0: Oh, I'm sure you will. So I like to jump right out of the gates with a burning question, and I, I try not to give it too much thought. I think of the first thing that pops in my <laughs> head when I have a guest coming, I read, I read your bio. And for you, it was, how the HE double hockey sticks, do you manage 150 plus short-term rentals?
1: <laughs> oh well it's um it's no easy task I think the key that we've kind of learned you know over our time in business we've probably been operating Joseph Ellen properties for three and a half four years is is really building the team out um, I've just now gotten huge into delegating and buying my time back um, but it was a grind man I mean we my wife and myself, probably the first two years, we were doing everything. I mean, you know how a startup is like your accounting, your HR, your marketing, your sales. And then you're also like going to change out doorknobs and stuff like that. So um, we've been fortunate enough to get to a size where we kind of have a a hierarchy in our team. We delegate a lot of that stuff out. We have the right people in the right positions. Um, And that's played a big role in us continuing to, to grow. It's just having those good team members and they do an incredible job.
0: You know, some people that listen to the show, they're like, okay, is this really a commercial topic? And I will tell you, I believe it is when you have the scale that you're operating at, you are operating at the scale of a large hotel or a couple of midsize hotels scattered about. So in my opinion, what you're doing is even more difficult than running a single asset hospitality property. And, um, just as a little background, some people know, some people don't, I think I, I got up to seven short term rentals. Um, I have three remaining. I sold. I sold four. But we even had to just with my small seven units, self managed. We had to scale to what I would call midterm, and we can talk about that. Mm-hmm. We had to scale to yep. kind of like a midterm, and then I started doing three day minimums on the ones that remain short term, and um, largely for what we can dive in on this on this talk. But it running these things as a hospitality property all over the place, and housekeepers, and coordination, and and remitting your short term transient tax. To the state of Florida and local authority, there's more to it than people realize, and uh, I I want to pause there for a second. But my question for you would be, what what brought you to short-term rentals? What drew you to short-term rentals?
1: Yeah, that's um that's a really good question. So whenever we kind of started this journey, I think we, my wife and myself, we bought our first rental property in 2019. So we're originally from St. Louis, Missouri. We had a couple long-term rentals there. <laughs> Um, and we just got to a point to where, you know, the, the two or three hundred dollars per door every single you know, month, it just wasn't worth it for us. So we made the pivot to vacation rentals. But you made a really good point to where this kind of dives into like a commercial asset as well, because a lot of people think that with vacation rentals, like it's your beachfront homes, your, your high end luxury homes to make like, sure we have that within our inventory. Um, but it's such a, a mixed asset class now, like we have eight unit buildings downtown Springfield that we operate as short and midterm rentals. We have a lot of quad units across Jacksonville that we operate as short and midterm rentals. Um, and that's the beauty about Jacksonville is like we get the people that are coming for vacation that they're going to pay $700 a night to stay at a property at the beach with a pool. And that's great. But it's gained a lot of popularity after Airbnb IPO to where it's, it's mixed now. Like, we get a lot of people, we were kind of touching about uh, midterm stays for a second, construction workers at our eight-unit building or our quads across Jacksonville. You know, we get people that are in between leases. Um, You know, we get people that... Um, you know, maybe they're building a playground or a grocery store, and they have a placement company that we work with, and they stay with us for six months at a time. So that's kind of the cool thing about short-term rentals. It's not just your your traditional high-end home, which yes, is that's great, and we have those, but it's a mix of everything else as well. And it's really becoming like a a new asset class with commercial and single-family and and everything else that's currently out there.
0: Yeah, and I can tell you from like my hardcore multifamily friends and. I, at one point, I think I had up to about 125 multifamily units. We, mm-hmm. cons- we considered taking some of those short term and either our property manager didn't want to do it or didn't know how to do it. Some of your sure. lo- some of your loan programs just don't allow it. So um, I think that, I think one thing I wanted to define with you is how do you what do you define as like a, a midterm versus a short term versus a traditional? Just so we're kind of using the same um, nomenclature.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of the properties and we have we have different types of inventory. So kind of like what I was touching on, like we have the beachfront homes. We have the properties at Jack's Beach and in St. Augustine, and those are more your traditional short term rental, your vacation rentals. A lot of those like we'll just have a three day minimum on those. So we're having people that stay from three to seven days um, with the midterm. We've kind of done an interesting pivot with, you know, some of your homes that maybe they're B-class homes in, in Riverside or Lakeshore. Where yeah, we're going to get some long-term rental or short-term rental guests in there, um, but you can really do a mid-term play as well. It, kind of like what I was touching on with you know construction companies or nurses or doctors or you know we get a lot of people being Florida. Hey, we're moving here. We're building a home. It's ninety days overdue. We haven't been able to move in yet, so they'll stay in one of our properties for you know ninety days to six months. So we kind of determine the the short term's kind of around the three to seven day minimum. Um anything we do that midterm, it's generally around 90 days. Sometimes we push up to four to five months. Um and then on the long-term side, it's it's anything over six months. We kind of consider that a long term. We put that long-term rental lease in place. Um, kind of kind of goes by different laws once you get to that time frame. So that's kind of how we break it down with our inventory.
0: Yeah. It's funny. We are we're supposed to be breaking ground on a on a new custom home build in Atlantic Beach in May. Mm. And I have a <laughs> I have a furnished midterm rental in, um, on orange street in Neptune beach. If we didn't have that, we'd be exactly what you're talking about. We're going to be dis, we're going to be displaced. It's going to be less than a year. Where do you go? You don't want to pull all your furniture from your current home into another rental, then move it again and put some of it in storage. So this really does feel a lot more than just like your transient leisure, uh, segment. And, um, you know, I, I personally, and I don't have the, the, experience in the sector that you do. But what I, what I grew to like as like a one-off kind of mom and pop, I'll call it furnished rental operator. Mm-hmm. I re- I really started to like the midterm and probably what you're calling the short side of long-term. So like as, and we can talk about this, but at six, six months or six months in a day, you don't have that short-term tax. You don't have the reporting requirements. Yep. It gets a lot, a lot easier as an operator. And what I found is in the stuff that in the stuff that's in a good location with good decor, I can't get short term rates with a midterm person. But boy, can I get when you factor in the tax, when you factor in some of the headache and turnover, boy, it, it started to feel pretty close and, and almost worth it in some yeah. locations to do. Like um, some people call it like the corporate rental. But um, you know, yep. I've I've had coaches. I had a franchise rep that was doing a bunch of locations for a gym. Um, I've had actually. I get. Uh, I had a fair amount of like divorcees just people that are in and out of relationships and um it's this whole segment that i don't think the traditional rental housing market really accommodates and they don't want to be they don't want to be in a hotel that long you know that's a long time they want a place they want a place that feels like their own so i'm I'm assuming you service a lot of the same segments
1: yeah man it's um it's more so a like a lifestyle asset now so i mean you touched on an incredible point like divorcees or, you know, people that are building a home. I've had two people reach out to me from placement companies because what we'll often do for, you know, properties that we can label as like, sure, we'll operate them as short term, but we also operate them as midterm. You know, we'll also post them on, you know, Zillow, hot pads, the MLS as furnished midterm rentals. I had two people reach out to me today where um, their house burned down. There's an insurance adjuster placing them and they have a big old stipend every single month. So typically like where that property would rent for, let's say long term, you know, 1750 and then short term, maybe it's pulling in 20% more than that. These people come to us and they have a budget of 3500 to five grand a month because insurance is paying for it. So those are always great whenever those kind of come in. And you never want to, you know, bank on that as your sole strategy. Like a lot of people come to me and they say, oh, well, I want this property to be strictly for nurses or strictly for furnish finder. And that's great whenever those people come in, but you want to spread it across you know, all of the different types of people that will come stay at the property. Because what we've often found is the nurses, for example, is they're great whenever they come in, but oftentimes they have a stipend from the hospital. So they have near to no budget. So if I have a property in uh, you know, Riverside that typically rents for $2,500 a month. You know, maybe they come to us and say, hey, we'd love for somewhere to stay, but our budget's 1200 That's all the hospital is giving us. So it's great whenever they come in and they actually have the budget, but you kind of want to place it in all the different buckets and, and see what you get first. We found outside of building relationships with those companies that actually place people like that's the best midterm strategy, stick it everywhere and see whoever you know comes to the property first.
0: Mm hmm. You you mentioned something near and dear to my heart. So I um I currently do reside in Riverside, and one of my units is like a house hack side studio in my primary, mm-hmm. and we're a couple blocks from St. Vincent's and um, two blocks from Five Points. Great pedestrian area, hundred and five year old property. Um, but we don't have we were on we we were on Furnish Finder for I want to say three years, and mm-hmm. and we did like guestie and we had like a feed and I I put it in MLS for yeah. a little while, tried some different things and you really hit the nail on the head when you can get the you know that corporate traveler and we actually had a couple of traveling nurses that could get pretty pretty much the rate we wanted my god they were so ideal they're not there a lot when they're there they're resting or sleeping or they want to or they want to travel locally when they're when they're not working and but we had a hard time making that what you mentioned like a whole business model. So it, it yeah. got to be a little bit tricky. Like what's the patchwork, what's a year going to look like for this unit? Like what's the patchwork? What's the, what's the guest going to look like? So sounds like you've started to crack that code, put it out there on a lot of different sites. You kind of know your gold standard, like your insurance, um, insurance stipend displaced professional or, or yeah. homeowner down to like, maybe, maybe you get a nurse that maybe it is $1,200, but, It could be a studio in Riverside that maybe would only otherwise rent for $900 or like in my my case, this unit is only 200 square feet. And so it's like, it has a Murphy bed, but it has, you know, exposed brick walls and a mini split. And it's, it's kind of got a cool little trendy vibe and it Mm -hmm. has parking right in front of the unit and you can walk everywhere. So I was worried like, well, that unit's so small. I just don't know if somebody's going to stay there midterm or long-term. And we had a handful of people do, it was 90s, not six months, but do these 90-day stays and they just go to the laundromat. And it was, I, when I say ideal, it was absolutely ideal as a host under that under that circumstance. So I have a ton of respect for those that are trying to house hack and house hack with a short-term rental. Because um, then sometimes you can block it out as a guest room you know, or something yep. like that and kind of get that in-house function to it. I was going to ask this question for you. Um, When you're analyzing, it sounds like you're kind of all over Northeast Florida. You can kind of tell us the scope of where your your properties are. Um, What do you look for? Do you have some favorite markets in Jacksonville? Are there some markets where it's like, yeah, somebody pays seven hundred dollars for a beach house, you know, with a pool, but the property is well over a million dollars? So, like, are there some areas where you're like, oh, I like this because you can still an investor can still hit. Um, a nice rate of return, there's good demand, but maybe the real estate's
1: not completely overheated and outpriced. yeah, that's um that's a really good question. I think every every little pocket in northeast Florida, it's going to, draw a different type of guest. So the people that stay in in Lakeshore and they're looking for something a little bit more affordable, whether it's midterm, short term, or heck, even long term, it's not going to be the type of person that stays in South Ponte Vedra. So the inventory draws a different type of person. As far as stuff we like right now, um, I like a lot of these little neighborhoods off of Beach Boulevard and Atlantic that have pools, like your three to $400,000 house that has a pool because you can come in and do a nice rehab you can add really cool amenities. It has the pool. So that's something that people want. Typically, anything with a pool or a hot tub, whether it's short term or midterm, people are going to pay about an extra $100, $150 a night. Um, and you can add all the cool amenities I mean, you can go back and add a hot tub. You can add the pickleball court. You can put all that stuff into the property, but your debt's going to be a little bit lower because it's a $350,000 house, especially in this rate. I think where a lot of people get in trouble is... And I have this conversation a ton with agents because we work with them every single day underwriting properties and kind of pointing their clients where they need to go to to buy good homes. at cash flow is, you know, like stuff at the beach, for example, like there's properties at the beach that do very well, but you got to have the amenities now because there's so much competition. So I've been sent deals that are, you know, a little over a million dollars, you know, in this rate environment, their payment's going to be six grand. But if it's like a new construction house, doesn't have a pool, doesn't have the hot tub. There's nothing about that house that helps you drive up the price point, because one thing that I really try to get across, especially when I'm working with you know new investors or somebody that lands on our website and is wanting to buy something in Jacksonville, is the, the purchase price does not correlate to the rental revenue. So it could be a million dollar new construction townhome, but has nothing special about it. But we can't rent that for more than $350 a night. So you're going to be losing about a thousand bucks a month. So. I think that's why it's really important, especially on the front end, to do your underwriting properly and kind of talk with whether it's an agent or a management company to know what things are going to rent for, because you could have a bigger ROI on buying something that's $300,000 in Lakeshore or off Beach Boulevard that has a pool. And then you add all the amenities in there so you can really press the rate up because people, they don't know what the houses are for whenever they're traveling with us. And a lot of times we don't host a lot of people from Jacksonville, whether it's midterm or short term. Um, so they don't know the areas either. So they're not going to know, you know, Avondale versus off beach Boulevard versus San Marco. They see, Oh, this is in the middle of the map. It has a pool. It has great amenities. They have no idea what the debt on that property is. So that's why it's sometimes good to go after like your B plus properties where you can force the rate up by adding those amenities.
0: Do you have, you went right into where I wanted to go. Uh, essentially underwriting and we don't have to go down to like the entire spreadsheet, but do you kind of have yeah. some, some, some metrics or some rules of thumb or anything that's like that would convey okay over a podcast on what, what an investor should be thinking about and looking about um, any ratios or anything that you like to advocate when you're hunting short-term rentals?
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. It was, um, It was a little bit higher as far as cash on cash return about 12 or 24 months ago. It's just a little bit of a different environment. But I think now, you know, if you can get somewhere around 20%, that deal can probably pencil out because you can, like I mentioned, you can get into these properties and add those amenities and that's going to drive your rate up. Um, So you can go into something with a pool and add a hot tub. You can, you know, go over above and beyond on the design and that's going to help drive the rate up. You could put in a, a volleyball court or something like that. Um, but whenever it comes to underwriting, like they have, and I'm sure you've seen these before as well, but they have, you know, AirDNA and uh, Key Data and MASH Visors. So they have these online data platforms where they essentially just scrape from stuff in the market. I think as far as underwriting, that's always good to use that as a baseline. Get AirDNA, plug the address in, see what the ballpark's going to be but i think the second step is probably the most important thing you want to go into airbnb and verbo and see what the competition's doing so usually whenever i'm underwriting a property i will do that first to kind of see what what data they scrape and kind of what a ballpark is and then i'm going to go into that location and just see five competitors within that specific area i want to see what they're renting for i want to see how their design is i want to see if they have any crazy amenities cuz then i know you know if this property has a hot tub and a pool and you know accent walls I probably need to do that in that area or that person's going to be getting bookings for me so first you want to do the the online sites all the stuff that scrapes data nationwide um and then just get an airbnb and search that neighborhood and pick out five short-term rentals and see what they're pricing things at.
0: and do you have as far as like an noi ratio or conversely like an expense ratio do you kind of have like a bit of a rule of thumb i know on really high-end properties because there's so much revenue I, well, I'll speak to the, I'll speak to like other properties. When you have properties with really, really high rates and you take debt out of the equation, you just look at income and property expense. So you have mm-hmm. operating expenses, taxes, insurance, utilities, housekeeping, maintenance. Some of those have really nice margins. And sometimes you go down the food chain, same thing starts to happen in multifamily. You go down the food chain, you yep. buy, you buy a concrete block rental unit for $50,000, um, you know, but it only rents for $450. Some of these, some of these things that seem really cheap actually don't have very much cash flow at all. So just kind of speaking, mm-hmm. I'm sure you look at things and you're like, okay, this is a $250 a night market. This is a $500 a night or th- whatever it is. Do you kind of have some NOI or cash on cash type metrics? Like when you're looking at some of these properties?
1: Yeah, man, I, um, the NOI in cap rates is tough with vacation rentals because there's not a set rental rate. There could be, you know, a month in July to where the property grosses 12 grand and then August it's going to gross 3,500. It just fluctuates so much. Mm -hmm. Um, As far as cash on cash return, I mean, 24 months ago, whenever it was insane in the short-term rental market, I mean, people were seeing 35, 40% cash on cash. Now I think it's just a little bit different and you have to kind of adjust to what's currently going on with like your underwriting and financing. So, you know, kind of like 18 to 20% is a really strong number right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and just know that it's not always going to be a high rate environment like it is right now. So that can always change. But if you have that buffer in, what I keep kind of going back to is the amenities and items like that. You can always go in and kind of, you know, as you force appreciation with a single family home or a multifamily asset, you can do the same thing with a, a vacation rental whenever it comes to rates. You add that stuff in, that's going to um, adjust your cash on cash. But I'd say generally right now, 20 percent is, is relatively strong. Um, but it depends on, it depends on the area, man. Like you can have properties that are beachfront homes or stuff at Jacksonville beach that has a really high rate. Maybe you have low debt and you're going to get a 20, 25% cash on cash return, but then you have properties in, let's say, you know, Lakeshore or Murray Hill, where, you know, you're just going to get 10 to 15% more than long-term rents. Like that needs to be the goal because that's the type of property that it is. So it kind of depends where the asset's located as well.
0: For sure. Like, I'll just yeah. I'll, I'll use an example. So I my my duplex on Orange Street, they're two bedroom, one bath. They're each about eleven hundred square feet, um, nineteen sixty construction. Um, I'd say, i ni- I'd say B plus. They're they're not A's. They're they're clean. They're renovated, but they're they're probably B plus. Mm-hmm. And we'll do we'll do about three thousand dollars a month um, in your. I'll call it like your midterm you know, so it, it, it might be 90 days. It might be, it might be six yeah, months. Nice. And some people actually, I do have someone who just renewed, they're going to end up doing two years at that rate. Um, which to your point, it's a little hard to make mm. a whole business model nice. out of that. Cause you just don't, you don't know where your vacancy is going to fall exactly. But, but my, my point is like, you look at that. Okay. That's sound, that is great. Honestly, I'm very happy to have it. But if I had that in a nightly or one to three night scenario, I mean, it could be triple, uh, I mean, because essentially 3,000 is wonderful for a relatively yep. small unit, but that's roughly $100 a night. And now that is $100 a night at 100% occupancy. You have some vacancy to calculate it yep. in the short term. But to your point, 500, 700, some of these very big numbers out there for properties that are by the ocean with the pool. Um, so I think that a lot of the investors that I know, they kind of wrestle with, is it worth two things. Is it worth the extra effort? And if I do the extra effort, some people get lost. Like, you know it, I kind of know it. A lot of people don't know it at all. Mm -hmm. What, what do you put in the property? How do I amenitize it? What kind of colors and decor and furniture? Do I just need a bunch of beds? Like, you know, so I think people kind of get lost in like, what's the proper execution if I decide to go through the veil and be, you know, Mr. Superhost. So can you, can you kind of, can you kind of speak to like, um, what you have found to be successful, like uh, this probably isn't a real word, but like amenitization, you know, adding, adding amenities to some of these you know, kind of what works, what doesn't work. And I'm sure it varies a little bit across town, but you know, kind of where you see a decent ROI and upgrades.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think now more than ever, and especially over the next 12 to 24 months, it's going to be about experiences. Because what we're kind of experiencing now in the real estate market especially whenever it comes to vacation rentals is there's a little bit of saturation so 12 to 24 months ago rates were low everyone was either purchasing a vacation rental or converting their properties to a short term rental so whenever that happens it compresses our rates a little bit so i was actually looking at this stat the other day we have a data crm and i was just looking at the units that are downtown um, and we have a couple properties that they're just right above 10% long-term rents, but they're one bedrooms and studios. So the reason for that is there's there's saturation. So there's probably 5,000 short-term rental units in just like downtown Jacksonville, not counting the beaches, not counting Ponte Vedra or St. Augustine. And I think that I saw on our, our data CRM that it was either 2,000 or 2,500 of those are studios and one bedrooms. So there's so much saturation with those. Um, so I think the market is going to pivot a lot to a lot of people kind of falling out of the space. They're going to sell their properties. Property tax and insurance are increasing as well. So it kind of puts people in a bind that bought in the past you know, 12 to 24 months. Um, but what we're seeing in our book of business is everything that is above and beyond on the amenities and the design, it's absolutely crushing it right now. Like That's where you're going to see the 20 to 30 percent cash on cash return is if you put money into the experiences because people want to experience things that they don't have at home. Not a lot of people have pools. Not a lot of people have hot tubs. So to circle back to your question, like what is the best bang for your buck? Like it's always great to do a cosmetic rehab, but anything that is an absolute experience or grabs their attention on the listing. So especially with the platforms, Airbnb and Verbo, a lot of their algorithm is based off of clicks and views. So it's just like someone flipping through Zillow and they see a house they like, they go see it to purchase it. It's the same thing with short-term rentals. So you want the, the good design you want the the wallpapers you want the neon signs you want the the pools the hot tubs those things help you drive the rate up better than a new bathroom or a new kitchen or new flooring because people want an experience like they want the the fire pits the grill they want to experience something that they don't have at their current home that's why they go on vacation that's why they're going to choose that property and in return that's going to help you drive the rate up and that's really the best bang for your buck You know, obviously, like a pool is not always reasonable to put into a property. It takes about two years to do it right now. Um, But we have properties that are doing above ground pools and doing a nice deck around it. Um, Hot tubs, they can be expensive. We have properties that are doing the blow up hot tubs from Costco and online and building a nice deck or background around it. Um, And then the design is so important. We have a design company as well. And I think it's, it's probably done so well because you have to have that stuff in your properties now to get booked. There's just a lot of competition. So anything that can grab attention, anything that can give a guest a really good experience, you gotta throw that stuff in the property because that's the property that they're going to choose.
0: You know, you hit a lot. I can't talk about all that cause you hit a lot of good points, but I think one big <laughs> one big takeaway is, you know, like create an experience that most travelers don't have at home. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you're right. And And like, I think you made a good point a few minutes ago a lot of these travelers are not from Florida. So, like you said, it could be it could be a location that maybe isn't the sexiest Jacksonville location. But like you said, it's right in the middle of the map. You can find mm-hmm. a home, you can find a home. Maybe it's a 50s, 60s, 70, 80s kind of house with a pool. But you said, you know, the wallpapers, the pools, the neon signs, uh, the hot tubs. I think that's really good advice. I didn't I haven't had any of that at my properties, but I will I was thinking about it when you said that. We traveled a few years back to Asheville as a, as a group for a a birthday within the family. And we ended up staying in a house that was a little bit out of the way. Like you had to drive to Asheville. You couldn't just walk. It had like dated carpets, dated furniture, clicky kind of pergo floors. But you know what? The owner was a brewer at new Belgium. And in the, in the dining room, he had a, a, a kegerator to pour your own draft beer from a keg Mm. at New Belgium, which is a brewery located in Asheville. That one feature, I promise you, was the deciding factor. We didn't care if the furniture looked like it had been slept on for 10 years and everything was tired, we're like, (laughs) you know, you had to drive 10 minutes instead of just walk downtown. We were like, this guy's got a a and he didn't charge extra, like drink drink all you want. If it runs out, he put it in his con, you drink all you want, runs out, we'll bring you a new one. And we were like, well, by God, this is the greatest thing we've seen. You know, we don't have that at our house. so to your point, it's the tipping, the tipping point can be these kind of these little outlier atypical things versus like I've rehabbed commercial property and some residential property and it's, it's countertops and rewiring and new roof and HVACs and floors and all this stuff and tile jobs. And that's not, that's not, people have that kind of stuff at their house. You know, it's what they don't yeah. have is the pool, the hot tub, the neons, the kegerator and stuff like that.
1: So I think, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's point. um yeah, absolutely. And I think it kind of goes the same with multifamily as well so even in whenever we have these these buildings whether it's a a quad or duplex or an eight unit or a 12 unit it's the same thing with experience like we want to have convenient stuff there they wouldn't get at a different smaller property. So whether that's grills outside or picnic tables or, you know, some side of uh, a patio area or something like that. But it is a little bit different in the multifamily space versus, you know, single family and vacation rentals, because a lot of times with these big multifamily operators, you know, they're raising capital, they're buying in cash, and then they have to push those improvements in order to refinance out. A lot of people that we work with, they're just putting a 30 year mortgage on it. So, maybe they do some band aid or cosmetic updates, which is great. They're going to add a little value with the property right there, but it's a cash flow play, not more so an exit in five years play. So, that's why it's important to um, put that money in the amenities, like start cash flowing day one. Anything you can do to kind of make an experience, it's what people want because they don't have that stuff at home. They want a good experience.
0: Super practical question. I just got to know. Do you have like a in-house maybe not salaried but do you have a bunch of housekeepers that here's the turn list and they go out into jacksonville they do unit turns and come back honestly i found the most difficult thing about personally managing the seven short terms was juggling the turns um so i'm just i'm curious i'm curious how you handle specifically the housekeeping in a scat in a scattered
1: operation We've, uh, we've come a long way, man. So I'll I'll scoot back a little bit to our story. So I previously, before we started the business, I did a software sales for a technology company. And then my wife was working for an investor, like I kind of mentioned before. And we knew we wanted to kind of burn the bridge and start our own business and work for ourselves and, and start that whole portion of our lives. So we started with our own properties. We were cleaning the houses ourselves because I wasn't going back to my job. So I made the transition. We were going to do this. We're going to grow a management company. We're gonna keep buying properties. Um, so we actually started the business cleaning. So I have a whole different respect for the entire cleaning operation. Um, but now we've grown to where we probably have about 175 listings, um, 20 or 25 cleaning teams in house, but we use an operation software to kind of navigate everything. So everything syncs together from our, our property management system Every single day, our cleaners, our maintenance team, they can go into the operation software. They can see, okay, I have these six turns today. They knock out their turns. They take photos of, of the properties. They report any maintenance via a ticket system through our operation system. So it's um it's definitely come a long way, and it takes time to build out all those systems and processes. But now we're running pretty smooth now. We have quite a few cleaners that we have in-house.
0: Well, I, I could, that makes sense the way you explained it. I can only imagine you know like we said before it's like you took a hotel put a grenade in it and blew it all over town and you have all these yeah. <laughs> and, you, and it's not just a hotel room like you said you might have one quote unquote air quote unit it could be a it could be a mansion with a pool down by the beach yep. you know or it could be a one unit in a in a quad in springfield or you know it's it's quite varied so i got a lot of respect for what you've done and i and i like that you started as like you said a housekeeper you're not going back and you kept buying and growing and growing and I could tell from this conversation you've learned a ton along the way.
1: Well, oh man, so much.
0: I'm curious now just so just so the audience knows what what services are you offering now? So are you a company where somebody might want to passively invest alongside with you? Do you raise capital? Are you taking on third party management? Are you doing some coaching or instruction in this space? Kind of tell me the tell me the suite of services and kind of where you are, where you're headed.
1: Yeah, of course. So we've kind of gotten to a point now to where the the vacation rental management is our core business. Um, We also have a design company that my wife runs that we kind of built out by necessity because these investors would come to us whenever we were first starting the business. A lot of people would land on our website um, and they'd be from California, New York. They're obviously not here. They need somebody to furnish the home. So that's an additional business that we kind of started off. And gosh, she's probably done 150 short-term rentals, furnished and designed them in the past year and a half, two years. Um, So that's been a really incredible business for us now. And we're pushing more of the retail side now. So we have a lot of agent partnerships where we're building out a turnkey program to uh, to Joseph Ellen Properties to where we have analysts that will find cash flowing short term rentals. Because one of the biggest challenges that that we found is kind of what we touched on previously. Like there will be people that send me deals at Jack's Beach and they're like one point two million. And they say this is going to be an incredible short term rental but they don't know that there's 7% interest rates right now. The debt's going to be super high. There's nothing special about that property. We can't rent it for more than three, $350 a night. Um, So I'm starting to build out more of a a program to where we can find those cash flowing properties. We team up with agents in the local market. Um, So I'll do the underwriting. Um, We'll provide them with properties that will actually pencil out in this market. and then they obviously work them through the sale and then we can do the rehab we can do the design then obviously the management on the back end um and we do a little bit of long term as well but primarily the vacation rental space is is where we stick in and what we know and then whenever we have time we also buy from time to time so we'll pick up a property here and there wonderful
0: all right yeah well you, well, you said it and, so, and i you you are now my go-to resource for all things short-term rental in jacksonville because i must confess I think I'm out of the game. <laughs> I, have, <laughs> I have my midterm rentals. And if I were deciding to do another one, I, I, I might consult with a guy like you or partner up. So I appreciate it. Let's been, make it happen. I've been asking this question, Andrew. Um, 2024, essentially an outlook question. And our guests come from different backgrounds, land, retail, industrial. But um, what, are you, what are you seeing for 2024? And when I say this, Jacksonville, your asset class being furnished short-term rentals. What do you see in Jacksonville, 24 short-term rental? outlook?
1: I think it's going to be a big pivot from 22 and 23. Um, In 22, it was kind of a unicorn year. We could throw a property up and it would book out for six months. Literally anybody could do well with a short-term rental. Um, 23, it was kind of going back to 2019, like before COVID type thing. Um, And vacation rentals have been around forever. Like this is not new. I think they got super popular whenever Airbnb IPO'd. Um, but I'm seeing it starting to get back to to normal. People were making insane cash. What we're kind of seeing now is instead of like 4x rent, we're probably seeing closer to like two and a half, 3x rent for, for properties. Um, but we're super excited. I think there's a lot of opportunity for us. We're currently in the process and, and looking to acquire other management companies. I think there's a lot of people that are, are tired, want to get out of the game. Um, and I think the most important thing over the next 12 to 24 months is, is experiences. I know we talked a lot about it a lot throughout this conversation, but putting really quality inventory out there, making sure that the numbers cash flow. Um, so that's kind of going to be our focus over the next 12 months is we're going to try to make a couple acquisitions. We want to continue to grow and scale. I think we've kind of gotten to a point to where like we've ate shit for three years and we've kind of figured it out now. So we're kind of we're running smooth. We're ready to grow, kind of put gasoline on what we're doing. Um, but I still see it as a really strong asset class, but it, it's going to be a little bit different. Um, but I know we touched on this a couple of times to where there's so many options, man. Like you can have that high end luxury home. Like, for example, we have a property that's riverfront in Julington Creek. It only rents one or two times a month, but it's $1,500 a night. So it's obviously very high cash flow. But then we also have our properties that are, are quads and six units and multifamily buildings to where that's more of your midterm play. Like you're going to communicate with people that are getting displaced for insurance, people that are building homes and they have nowhere to go for six months because it's way behind timeline. Um, so I think it just depends where the property is, is how you need to tailor your strategy, but either route you go, I think this is a really good asset class to to put some money into. Awesome.
0: All right. I'm going to hit you with the closing questions, Andrew.
1: Why, do why do you love Jacksonville? I really do love Jacksonville. Um, I would say, so we're originally from St. Louis. Um, we were looking at a couple different markets before we moved here. We like Tampa, kind of like the Clearwater area. Um, we landed on Jacksonville because I think there's there's so much growth. Um, so being from St. Louis, we were right by Nashville. Um, and then we also visited Tampa and we saw all the growth that they've had. And I think all of the new construction that's happening here, all the plans we have to develop the city in the downtown. Um, you saw that stuff happening in Nashville and Tampa like years ago. So it's super exciting to see where Jacksonville and even Northeast Florida is going to be in the next five to 10 years. So that was a driving factor with that. Right by the water, it's continuing to grow. It's affordable, kind of comparable to St. Louis, where we came from. The prices weren't absolutely insane. They've raised a little bit right now, um, but still compared to like Miami, for example, this is a really good market to be in and invest in real estate. Um, And a lot of people were moving here. So not only like the population growth, but There's so many other things happening. I think it's only continuing to grow. Like we have the vacation scene, but we also have a ton of hospitals. They're putting up a ton of grocery stores. Um, There's so much growth and exciting to be here over the next couple of years.
0: Yeah. I completely agree. Um, a lot of things in Jacksonville, I like to say are still up for grabs. Like, you know, yep. a, a, you don't have to be young, but a younger hustling entrepreneurial minded person can still make a splash and find their seat in Jacksonville. Not all the seats are taken. There's
1: still some, some room in, in this market. So I really, I really have the same yeah. sentiment.
0: All right. Favorite local
1: restaurant. Oh, we're San Marco people. So we live in San Marco. So we are often at, um, at Taverna downtown. And if we're grabbing a beer, it's always at Ardwolf right here. We can uh, walk there. It's actually right across the street. So we frequent this area. We're always hanging out in the San Marco area. Awesome. Great place. And Ar- Ardwolf gets pretty edgy with their beers. I like they kind of push the
0: envelope. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, a location or a venue in Jacksonville
1: that you'd recommend? Mm, that's a really good question. Um, I like the beaches area, man, especially in like Hannah Park. It's, mm-hmm. it's fun to go for a day. Um, and it's not just sitting at the beach. Like we've went and just ride bikes around the trails, um, take our dogs there. We have two dogs. So that's pretty much what we do a lot of our spare time whenever we're not kind of diving into the business. So, um, you know, the parks, Hannah park, those are great areas to kind of relax. Cause we're always, we're always working, man. So to have that stuff to where we can go to the beaches and it's not like necessarily Jacksonville beach, but somewhere that's a little bit more secluded and peaceful and you can just relax for a second. So that's a really great spot for us. Awesome.
0: All right, Andrew, lastly, where can people connect with you, find you and learn more?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm primarily on Facebook and LinkedIn. You can just type in my name, Andrew Pukchavinsky. If you have any interest in our services, our management company is Joseph Ellen Properties. Just type us into Google and you'll find us. And if there's anything design related, my wife's company is incredible, Joseph Ellen Designs. Check us out. We can definitely help you out if it's anything vacation rental related.
0: All right, Andrew, thanks for coming on. And everybody, please follow, rate, and review this podcast. Share it with a friend. Andrew gave us a lot of wisdom today, opened up the truth fault. Let us all walk around a little bit. Share it with a friend makes a huge difference, allows us to continue to get great guests like Andrew. As I mentioned at the top of the show, to stay up to date and never miss a beat, go to investwiththecoach.com. Also, if you're into scrolling instead of podcasting, we are Yield Coach on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. But for now, that is a wrap on the Jacksonville Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm your host, Ian Brown, signing off and reminding everybody to lace up and leave it all on the field. Yield Coach out.